Side Boiler, it's a very good afternoon to you. I've even forgotten what day it is. That's the way it works nowadays. It's Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon. It's 12 o'clock. And we are streaming live, of course, Twitter, Facebook, Rumble, and indeed everywhere else. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to catch one of the shows from during the week, or indeed this show, you can catch it on Spotify and all the usual places, including our website, www.nileboylan.com. If you want to contact us during the show, you can WhatsApp on 085 100 2255. That's 085 100 2255. We would love to see your comments. We'd love to hear your comments. And if you want to come on the air, we'll give you a call back, and you're quite welcome to come on the air. Today, we we are going to be asking, has Ireland taken in too many refugees? Now, the majority of Irish people, according to Red Sea Poll, by the way, in the Sunday Business Post, I'm surprised they actually did this, by the way, the majority of Irish people think increased migration has put pressure on the housing supply, health and other public services. In a poll of a thousand people by Red Sea, and allegedly we trust Red Sea, don't we? Well, that's what we're told all the time. When I do a sample on Twitter, people say, oh, you can't trust that. They're all your bleeding followers. So they're all the same as you. Anyway, this is Red Sea. It's an official poll. Chirorty use it, so it must be right. Anyway, they say 75% of those polled agreed with the statement I think the number of refugees in Ireland is is too many while 19% disagreed. That means there is a small percentage who hadn't got a clue. I don't even know why they asked them. Why do people take part in polls if they don't want to make give an answer? Anyway, other people uh, said that the lower economic classes and Sinn Féin or independent voters were most likely to say that they felt too many refugees are being allowed in. In other words, the working class, the ones that are being affected. 74% of Fianna Fáil voters, 70% of Fianna Gael voters also agreed that the state accepted too many asylum seekers. And the majority of people, 76% of people said they understood understood the anger in local communities why people were upset when refugees were moved in at two or three o'clock in the morning in busloads. And they understood the protests. So this is contrary to what the people the government have been telling you. The government have been telling us for the last six or seven weeks that anybody who's out in those protests, basically you're just right-wing, that's all you are. And even going as far as calling you right-wing racist. Now there's no doubt there are right-wing racists out there in those protests, but not all of them. Most of them, I would imagine, are just concerned citizens. You know, I wonder, by the way, if there was a refugee centre in Balds Bridge or Shrewsbury Road, would they be out protesting as well, probably not, because they'll just ring their local TD and make sure it doesn't happen again. Anyway, to talk to you a bit more about it is Ben Scallon from Grip Media, and Ben joins me on the line. Ben, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Noah. Very good to talk to you. Firstly, I'm quite surprised at the Sunday Business Box because I really didn't believe, with the exception of Grip Media, I really didn't believe that mainstream media were going to touch this with a barge pole and go against the government. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting and uh, fair play to them. But, you know, what What was surprising to me about the result was how not surprising it was in a way. Because when it comes to the issue of immigration, Irish people have almost never been consulted on the topic of whether Ireland should take in significant amounts of people from abroad. And the only real vote we've ever had on it is the 2004 citizenship birthright citizenship referendum which returned an overwhelmingly uh you know i don't know what you want to call it negative result basically mm. a result against open borders saying that we need to have better immigration control. this was of course what they called at the time the the anchor baby referendum and uh, that was because at the time michael mcdool who was then minister for justice had suggested that many people were coming to ireland purposely getting pregnant to get citizenship now that was a loophole in law that many countries had at the time but has since been removed from most countries that allow that to happen and yes the overwhelming majority of people in this country decided no 
So it kind of gave us the impression that we want to be careful, we need to have a better understanding, and we need to deal with things properly. Now, you know, again, I want to say what I always do these shows, because I don't want people to think that I'm mental or something like that, and neither are you. I, You know, I welcome people to Ireland. I welcome diversity. I welcome the visa system. I welcome people who are genuinely coming from a war-torn country and need our assistance within, within the limits of the financial limits of the country and the geographical limits and the housing limits of the country. I welcome all of those people. But we're seeing a big problem. We're seeing, going back five or six years ago, I was on the radio and I was saying, we've got a problem. We've over 5,000 people in direct provision and we don't have enough room for them. I think we had enough room for 4,500 at the time in the direct provision centres. We now have over 20,000 people seeking international protection. We've over 40,000 or 50,000 people in hotels all across the country, which is going to affect tourism this year. And the government are railroading this through. Roderick doesn't seem to be stopping and there's been no comment from government officially in relation to this Red Sea poll. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'd be very interesting to hear their reaction. No doubt their reaction to this poll would be similar to their reaction to um, public consultations that don't go their way. I mean, I think actually Baradkar said in my interaction with him just a couple of weeks ago, he said something like, uh, oh, well, we, we live in a democracy, so policy is set by the government. It's not set by uh, opinion polls and so on. But and I mean, to an extent, that's true. But um, opinion polls don't mean nothing. And when you think about a policy that has so consistently, I mean, since the start of 2022, when this question was asked to the public, do you think there should be a limit on the number of refugees Ireland takes, for example? The majority said yes. I think that was an Ireland Thinks poll, if I remember correctly. Uh, and there's been several polls along the same lines as this one over the last year and every single one has returned that people want to limit. So when you combine that with the constant protest in areas like East Wall and Santry and everywhere else, uh, and then you look at this in its totality, you really think, at what point is the government going to stop and wonder, are they the ones who've gotten it wrong? Uh, I mean, wrong, excuse me. yeah, well, when you look at the people who are against this poll, uh, i.e. those who are out saying, you know, we welcome all refugees. And by the way, you know, we do welcome refugees, but the word all is quite inconsistent because those people, I believe, and I've seen many of them, uh, you know, they seem like the champagne socialists who are looking down from the rivalry towers and most likely will never have, you know, an accommodation put in their area. I mean, when we look at the poll, for example, we did on our own Twitter account, we got 7,000 votes, uh, more than the Red Sea poll. Absolutely, I understand my followers might have a slight leaning in a certain direction, but I'm sure they're not all my followers. But out of that, 98% said that they believe the numbers should be capped. I've talked to numerous politicians on different matters throughout the year, and I've always asked the same question towards the end. By the way, while you were there, do you believe we should cap the number of refugees, both international protection and Ukrainian, uh, at the time because it was primarily Ukrainian going back three minutes ago? And they all said yes, but yet, when they're in the doll, they're walking through the corridors and they're meeting Leo and Mial and Roderick and everybody else. They're just towing the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really seems that way. It's it's one of those things where it's a it's kind of a junior certain maths problem almost where we live in a material world where resources are finite. And so there's an unlimited, virtually unlimited amount of people who would want to come to Ireland and avail of the resources we have. And the maths kind of doesn't work out. I think anybody with, uh, you know, a junior cert education could tell you that. And when when you think about the fact that I just interviewed a gentleman by the name of Sean Deegan, who was... I, I spoke uh, to Sean uh, many, many years ago. I, I remember speaking to Sean many years ago. What a lovely gentleman. 
lovely gentleman indeed absolutely and he has such a wealth of experience that for those who don't know he was basically an immigration official at the department of justice between 2004 and 2010 he served on the refugee appeals tribunal and during that time he heard about uh, 500 cases of people who were applying for asylum in ireland and bear in mind this is back in 2004 so this is years and years ago and he said that he rejected about 99% or more of the cases he heard. Of, of the 500 he heard, he only let two people in. And that was because he said that it was very clear that all of the cases he was hearing were just economic migrants, people whose stories didn't add up, people who were just looking for a better life. And he says, that's fine if you want a better life. Everybody wants a better life, mm. but that doesn't make you a refugee. And there's a process and a law. Well, there is a criteria a under the, yes. Under, under the, the EU convention, there, there is a, a criteria under the international convention. I think it's actually called the Dublin Agreement or something like that. Under that convention, there is a criteria. And I think there's five points in that criteria. You know, you must be, uh, you must, your life must be in danger, political persecution, et cetera, et cetera. And, and again, even if you do fit into the criteria, you're meant to go to the first safe country. After that, you can go to the second safe country. If they refuse you, they can send you back to the first safe country, i.e. if people are coming from the United Kingdom to Ireland after being rejected in the United Kingdom, we have a right, and we're quite within our rights, to send them back to the United Kingdom and not to their own country of origin. But getting getting back to what we're talking about, the problem is now, you know, we possibly have a general election coming very soon. It could be forced even sooner with the crisis that we currently have, both for accommodation, refugees and everything else. But people feel a little bit, you know, I suppose, let down because realistically, the politicians don't care because the system is broken. No matter who you vote for, every political party is against you. So what are we going to do with the political system when the politicians, all of them, including the so-called opposition, Sinn Féin, have done more U-turns than a car with bad tracking over the last six months? What do you do or who do you vote for? Because the independents have no power. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're right about Sinn Féin. So far as I'm concerned, Sinn Féin's policy on everything is we want exactly what the government wants, except we want more of it and we want it faster. So it's basically, if you want to find out what Sinn Féin's policy on anything is, you just take the government policy and multiply it by two. They say, <laughs> you should be taking in more refugees. You should be doing more about climate change. We should lock down more for longer. This is Sinn Féin's mantra throughout. And as I've said before, uh, to me, if if my wife baked me a dinner and I said, oh, wow, this dinner is delicious. My only complaint with this dinner is that you don't cook it more often and that there's not enough of it. You wouldn't say I oppose my wife's cooking. You'd say <laughs> this is a guy who is very enthusiastic about his wife's cooking. He just wants more of us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So, so are they all? So are they all delusional? I mean, I mean, last week, by the way, I, I spoke to Nigel Farage. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to play, just play a quick clip of this and maybe you agree with it or you don't agree with it. So just uh, bear with me for a second. This is a piece. Actually, you'll hear what I said to Nigel on the question I asked him. So let's just play that clip there. Look, you have been staunchly against this for many years, very publicly. I mean, people have referred to you as extreme right wing when it comes to this particular issue. And by your own admission, you have to admit there are people who are genuinely fleeing situations where their lives are in danger. And I don't think anybody suggests that we shouldn't be rolling out a red carpet and helping those or supporting those. But where have we gone tragically wrong? Because now what we're seeing in Ireland is... And I remember reporting on this going back five or six years ago. Let's talk about per head of population. There's only a population of five million people. 
people in this country. And we were concerned that we had over five or 6,000 people in direct provision going back four years ago. We now have over 22,000 people seeking international protection. And on top of that, we've probably got about 80,000 Ukrainian refugees here in Ireland. We're in the middle of a housing crisis. We've nowhere to put them. They're living in tents. Just a picture there. You'll see them all. It's like a shanty town. It's like tent city. And you'll see the, the pictures of them in the background there in tent city. Uh, essentially, that's where they're living because the government now don't have any money. They don't have anywhere to put them. So they're arriving in Ireland. They're handing them a 25 euro meal voucher and a tent and a bag. And there's where you go. So what are we yeah, going to do? All of this is a knock on from the point I made earlier about 2015. Once people get into the European continent, then they start to move around the continent. Uh, they generally go to places where the welfare system is the most generous. Uh, and this is one thing that you need to get really hoist on board. The numbers that have arrived on the southern European coasts so far in 2023 are three times the number that came in 2022. So if you think you've got a problem in Ireland at the moment, I promise you something, unless your government changes policy, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet, Ben. And he talks about the numbers. Obviously, the UK released official figures during the week that the figures are three times higher that are coming into Europe than this time last year. And we can only assume those numbers will increase. We've already seen an increase, Ben, over the last three or four months. We can only assume that increase is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So at what point, Ben, are we going to stop people and say we cannot do any more? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we're reaching that point already. Um, and it, it, it is just getting to the point where it's undeniable. I think that's one of the telling things about that Red Sea poll in particular was, um, you know, when you think what the context of that result is, that this is when we have round-the-clock positive media coverage of the government's policy, uh, trying to demonize protesters, trying to demonize anybody who has a concern about the numbers of people who are coming Oh, just this huge government and media machine trying to push it and still 75% of people are not convinced. And that to me says it's gotten to the point where the country is so bursting at the seams that no matter, they could, they could publish a thousand articles a day and they can't disprove what I'm seeing with my own eyes. Ireland is clearly at capacity. We can't do this anymore. And uh, so, yeah, I think very, and what, very with the exception already. With the exception of yourself and Grip Media, what is the problem with Irish media? Are they afraid to do something? Even last night, Sharon Kyogen was on uh, VMT. Or as people better know at TV3, it's the worst rebranding in the history of media. Anyway, on VMT last night, and she was attacked for basically suggesting a logic, making logical statements that we have allowed too many people in, that we don't have enough housing, we don't have enough accommodation. You know, we already have, as I mentioned already, you know, whatever it is, 50 to 70,000 Ukrainian refugees, that number changes on a daily basis. Some go home, some come back. We have over 20,000 seeking international protection. And on top of that, we have 50,000 people on a, the housing list in this country, or over that figure, actually. We have 12,000 people in temporary accommodation who are already there before we had a problem uh, with uh, refugees. And we also, on top of that as well, have, you know, so many people in this country who are working and looking for somewhere to rent their house. So we have a massive problem. And yet the media seem to be in just as much denial as uh, the government. 
They, they, they are, you know, if you have a, a protest tomorrow and you're against refugees or you believe we're, we're doing too much and we've let too many in, uh, you'll be castigated. If you have a rally, because they call it a different thing, it's not called a protest if you're on the right side of it. If you have a rally tomorrow and you have welcome refugees and you're all wearing T-shirts saying welcome refugees, you'll get 6-1 news coverage at 6 o'clock and, and the media are on your side. Why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's very dangerous, I think, for society, and it's very unhealthy that you have such a huge proportion of the population that hold, you know, a certain viewpoint on not just this issue, but any issue. You know, let's say there's, there, there is a section of Irish society, it might not be the majority, but there is a group of people who would consider themselves more socially conservative, more uh, skeptical of the direction that the country is going on, all sorts of issues. And those people are not catered to at all by politics, by media, the news, the state broadcaster. Nobody is representing those people. And you can't imagine that's good. Whatever you think of that, you could be the most liberal person in the world, and that's fine. You know, everybody's entitled to their view. But can we at least agree that it's not right for you know, a third or a half, or in this case, three quarters of the population to hold a particular opinion <laughs> and that there's no, you know, in a, in, a, in a normal democracy, in a normal society, you would expect about, you know, that proportion of the doll to represent those people's beliefs and the same with the media and so on and so forth. To, for those people to just be voiceless, I think is really seriously wrong. But, but, but that seems to be happening in every piece of legislation that's being passed currently at the moment. And there are so many pieces of legislation and you, got, you guys have covered many of them. And, and the famous one, of course, is in, the, in relation to the 70% of the submissions uh, in relation to the hate speech laws. But then you had the education, uh, the new education laws, uh, the RSC uh, legislation. And again, the Minister of Education is pushing that through. She doesn't care what people think. Uh, it's going through for a junior cycle next year. And by 24, 25, it'll go through to primary school, even though a lot of people object to it. Now, by the way, they're not objecting because, you know, they're all homophobes or they're all transphobes or whatever it is. They're objecting to it because they're parents and they have concerns and they feel it's their right to teach their children certain things and not up to the school to uh, indoctrinate certain things into their children. And, and they want to have a discussion about it, just a discussion. You know, maybe we can leave this in, but we can take this out. But none of this is happening when it comes to hate speech laws. It's just railroaded in. That's the way it is. And we're leaving it at that. Whether you like it or not, when it comes yeah, to education, I mean, that's the way it is. And we're leaving it at that. We don't care what you think. And now we're seeing a classic example of this. And this is not even, even if you were to give him some credit, Leo Varadkar, any at all, when you said to him about the 70% of submissions, they're people who make an objection. But at least with the Red Sea poll, it's supposed to be a thousand independent people from different walks of life. So this is not a selected poll. You know, this is a, you know independent poll. But they're still not listening. Yeah, it, it really makes you wonder what the reaction is going to be on the doors. I'd be very curious when the next election is called, whenever that happens to be. It could be in six months. It could be in, you know, a year. But whenever that happens... What are they going to say to people when they go and ask for somebody's vote, knowing full well that they have implemented a whole series of policies on a variety of issues that the public explicitly said they did not want? You know, surely the whole essence of politics is supposed to be about representing the people's wishes. They, they're, I mean, it's called public service for a reason. You're supposed to be a servant implementing the will. You know, the people are the ones with the authority and they loan it temporarily to a group of people called TDs and senators 
uh, on the understanding that you will do what I've given you a mandate to do and you'll do what I want. So for the government then to say, actually, we don't care what you want, which is effectively what's happened. And we're going to engage in our own social projects to reshape Ireland the way we think it should be. I don't know that there's, I don't know how they can uh, use that then to say, oh yeah, and by the way, we'd like you to elect us for another four years. I'm not sure how well that's going to go down. Um, and when you have true democracy, by the way, that's not an issue because, you know, if they didn't represent you properly for the, the five years that they were in power, you know, you can go and vote for somebody else who may represent you properly. And we've seen that in other countries with left and right wing governments being forced out and forced in, et cetera, et cetera. But here in Ireland, we have come to a juncture where I genuinely believe the political system is broken. It's completely and utterly broken. As I said, going back years ago, we had different parties representing different things. You know, you had the Workers' Party, which was the Labour Party. You had Fianna Fáil for the Conservatives or the more religious people in some sense. You had Fine Gael, a little bit more liberal, even though it wasn't a very liberal society we lived in. And at one stage, you even had the PDs as well. They got into power for a short period of time. But they all represented something very different. Now... As we've already said, they're all cheeks of the same arse. So, realistically, what are see? What's the answer? Out onto the streets and O'Connell Street, and I, by the way, I encourage people to do it peacefully. But out on the streets is that, is that the only solution now? Yeah, I think I think one big problem with the political system, the way it's laid out, is that we've got certain big parties that have a critical identity crisis, and in particular, I'm thinking of Fianna Fáil because you know most of the parties that we have you at least understand why they exist, even if you don't support them. So I, for example, would not be consider myself a Green Party supporter, but I get why they're there. You know, there's people who yeah. are environmentalists who are worried about that sort of thing. Absolutely, and yeah. If that's, your, if that's your key issue, then you vote for Amy Ryan of the Green Party. Got it. Same for, uh, you know, people before profit even. You know, there's people... Yeah, if you're a mad socialist and you want to vote for them, you vote for them. They're your gang. Yeah, I get you. Exactly. So, that, you know, we've got most of them, they have a niche that makes sense. But then when it comes to Fianna Fáil, and actually Willie O'Dea, who's a Fianna Fáil veteran, and uh, Jim O'Callaghan, same, same thing, they both articulated this point to their credit, that Fianna Fáil has completely lost its identity. I think less so with Fianna Gael. They're still a very pro-European, kind of liberal-leaning party. They've got that sort of niche covered. But Fianna Fáil... They don't know what, like, what is a Fianna Fáil voter supposed to be? I don't know who they're even catering to or what demographic they're trying to appeal to. And I don't think the electorate knows either, which is why they're plunging in the polls. So I think... Well, they did that They did that into the last, well, maybe not the last election, but the one before is when they dramatically changed. Because, for example, the pro-lifers will have you believe that Fianna Fáil uh, would have been pro-life up to a period, up to about 2009, 2010, and then suddenly they switched. Uh, now, they will say they switched with the evolution of time and society, but I don't agree with that because you've got to stick to your policies and represent your voters. Um, so the, And uh, other issues too uh, as well. So Fianna Fáil would have always been a conservative or a more conservative party, not conservative, but certainly more conservative party. But that has changed. And it's all about keeping the job or keeping in government, isn't it? And, and this idea yeah, that, I mean, you know, if we I can't mean, get a majority, that, we'll just share it with everybody else anyway. And on that, I mean, if I was a Fianna Fáil strategist, I'd be looking at the situation and thinking, you know, is it a coincidence that since we've taken this huge lurch towards social liberalism, that's kind of around the time they've started crashing in the polls. Now, I'm not saying that it's just due to that. I'm sure it's a variety of factors. 
Um, you know, there's the uh, politics is more complicated than that. But basically, whatever they thought this would do for them in terms of electoral success and, you know, making them more popular, it really hasn't helped. Because if somebody's a liberal, they're just going to vote for Sinn Féin or PVP or the Social Democrats or Labour or one of these groups. They're not going to vote for uh, Fianna Fáil if Fianna Fáil is just trying to be Sinn Féin doing the speed limit. You know, that's basically well, the, I mean, well, the well, identity well, they've uh, tried to create for themselves. And, and it comes down to, I suppose, the leaders of these parties. I mean, Leo Varadkar, you know, Michal Martin, are they competent? I mean, look, Leo Varadkar barely scraped in in the last election, only on the fourth or fifth count or whatever it was. Uh, Michal Martin has been trying for years to be the Taoiseach of the country, eventually got the job. And by the way, at the start, when I remember talking to him just before he became Taoiseach, and I said to him, you know, I wish you well because I, th- I thought he deserved a crack at the whip, but he disappointed greatly because he just seems to be another yes man. So maybe it's just new leaders they need, new leadership that will put them in the right direction. Yeah, possibly. Um, I I think you know when it comes to these guys, they've been around for so long. Uh, they they know politics, or they should. I mean, some Michal Martin. When did he first become a TD? You know, he's about as veteran as they come. And <laughs> I will say as well, like you have to respect that to an extent, whether whatever you think of his politics and his policies, uh, it, it is impressive to have that kind of staying power in a field that's as fickle as politics, where people come and go, you know, as, as easily as, uh, as anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really do think that whatever, whoever's advising them, the, all these guys have teams and teams of special advisors who were supposed to give them all of this expert advice, and that's why they're paying them 180 grand a year. I don't know where that money is going because uh, this is not working out well for them. And marrying themselves to the Greens was a catastrophe. You notice that Roger O'Gorman is a Green TD, and he's the one pursuing all of this integration stuff that's causing such chaos. Uh, the turf ban, all of these kinds of things are just causing woe and misery for the coalition. So, really, like if I was a Fianna Fáil backbencher, I'd be thinking, why did we tie ourselves to these Absolutely. guys? Because it's not going to end well for us. Okay, well, one final thing just to get to. In relation to what's going on at the moment, it doesn't look like the government are going to change. It doesn't look like Roderick's going to stop. He's determined to keep bringing people or allowing people to keep coming into the country, no matter who they happen to be, be they genuine or not genuine. People who are losing their passports, allegedly losing them, or stuffing them down the toilets on a plane somewhere. Uh, but realistically, the Garda are now being utilised. And only this weekend, of course, starting to use force. Up to now, just standing by and keeping the peace. Now they're actually starting to use force. They, uh, at the protest in Santry, they took down the protesters' gazebo. Uh, they forced the people off the road, which they hadn't done up to now. They they respected people's right to protest. But now they are using a bit more force. Is it fair, you know, is the line acceptable, I'm only doing my job, when they're going technically against 76% of the population? Yeah, look, I mean, I am not a guard. I don't know the ins and outs of the law, what kind of protests are legal and what kind of protests aren't. But I will say that I don't think these kinds of things will have the desired effect. Uh, Whatever about the particulars of the situation, uh, you know, trying to stifle a protest or shut it down will only make it more popular and cause it to grow. So if the plan was to try and put the kibosh on this whole kind of, movement immigration skeptical movement that's growing i think it will certainly backfire so uh i don't know who told them to do that uh or if it was warranted again i'll leave that up to the judgment of the individual officers but certainly if the government is celebrating this thinking it's some kind of great win that we can now just uh Mm -hmm. shut it down and send in heavies to to 
quash the whole thing. I, I really don't think that's going to work out too well for them. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.